Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. first reading today is taken from 1 John chapter 5 beginning at verse 13 to 21. The true God. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask We know that we have what we ask of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not, continue, does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourself from idols. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, that we believe as we just sung. What a gift. Help us, uh, strengthen us, uh, shore us up in our faith this morning in all that we are doing, praying and singing. And even hearing this word now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, help us believe so that we can truly love, as John would say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So friends, how many times have you gone for the cheapest option in purchasing something that you need, only to find out, of course, that it breaks within the first five minutes of its first use? How many times have you done that? Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you always go for the best quality item or maybe sometimes like me you skimp a bit and say, oh, I'll just get the cheap pliers and uh, that's what happens. Anyway, I don't know. There's no substitute for quality, especially on big purchases or on purchases that you very much rely like vehicles, uh, good tools, Uh, A good wheelbarrow, not some cheap one that falls to bits on you. A good jacket for a cold Barossa winter. All that stuff. I think uh, this might be what John's saying at this rather strange, abrupt, one little tiny line ending to all that he's said. He says right at the end of his letter, the last sentence, just bang, out of nowhere, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Seems sort of out of place, you know, right at the end there. It's very tricky. I think he's saying, 
Uh, don't settle for substitutes. You know, don't settle for the cheap option. That kind of thing, I think. I mean, he's spent a lot of time in his little letter laying out the truth as he witnessed it. Eyewitness of Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. And I think he's saying, look, I've laid out the truth for you. Don't fall for the lies. Don't settle for less. Don't go down a path for difference. Because without this truth that I've been trying to impress upon you, people of God, he says, uh, you will be destroyed. And those you love will be destroyed. And the world will be a worse off place if you settle for less. Yes. Because it's truth, remember, in John's world. Truth creates a two-sided coin. Remember? Faith and love. It all comes from the truth. And he's outlined the truth of Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, as he witnessed him. And he's saying, don't settle for anything else. So when it comes to really important things, not, you know, things that you buy, cars, whatever it is, like hope for living your day, peace for forgiving your enemies, love for serving, no matter how you feel, God's future, even beyond your grave, don't settle for substitutes. Don't go the cheap option. And remember, for John, it's about love. This means not giving your love, giving your heart to the old way of keeping the law, simply living your own vision of life as you see it, uh, or anything other than the truth that he has proclaimed. So, not giving your heart to the old creation with its way of keeping the law, keeping the rules and trying to be good enough to earn your way into God's favour. No, don't give your heart to that because you'll never do it and you will die trying. Don't go that way. Don't give your heart to trying to make this life in your vision of life. Your ideas, your wants, your needs, your vision, as if, as if, God is not actually with you and is not actually working in you and around you to actually transform you day by day into the fullness of Jesus Christ. As if he's not doing that. It's all on you and you've got to make your life happen the way you think it should happen and all of that. Don't go down that path. Rather, give your heart to the faith that says, or grace merely, that God is actually at work in my day, in the good and in the bad, in the easy and in the hard, and he is transforming me the way he wants me to be, and one day I will see. Uh, don't give your heart to anything other than the truth that Jesus of Nazareth, the historical person, is God himself for us in flesh and blood and bones don't settle for any other teaching that says jesus is not god or on the other hand not human or not really love or not really alive now or is not the world's hope because john has tried to convince you and me 
that he actually is all of that and that is the truth okay so we get it i think we're long-term most of us are long-term christian people and we trust this and we know this but how do we love the real thing and not get won over by the fake thing what helps me to live in the lavish love as john calls it of our heavenly father by that interesting term the blood and the water of the son from his baptism in the jordan to his blood on calvary all in the power of the holy spirit how do we live with that faith with joy and hope when and because if you do that this is how you truly love and this is how the world will know him by our love how does all this happen well i think john right at the end of his letter is telling us how to keep your heart from lying idols how to do it one word praying this is the confidence we have in approaching god he says that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we have what we asked of him so can you see that prayer of course for john is no guilt trip it's uh, not just ticking some spiritual box or doing some duty or mouthing some words because someone said we had to prayer here is a show of reliance of trust of relationship open conversation between friends an open conversation between parent and child honesty from a friend to a friend trusted mentor to seeking student that's prayer for john in all that jesus has achieved for us from baptism in jordan's water to the blood on the cross on the hill from baptism to holy meal water in the blood john and the other apostles bear witness to this eyewitnesses he says as a result we have confidence uh, even certain boldness in our relationship in our talking in our speaking in our listening with god alone and together prayer then is asking for someone to for, for some help on something from someone you've known for 20 years it's a fait accompli of course i'll help mate i'm your friend that's prayer prayer is a relationship a reliance it comes easy so we can speak like this says john because you know and you are known and you are born of god and you are the father's love you can speak boldly and clearly and often because you know this jesus and you know he knows you and he has won your trust hopefully long ago and he's kept you in trust for ages and you know he will, he will be there for you and he will give what is best for you because he knows you and he knows what you really need that's prayer friends as far as john says at the end of his letter reliance trust natural conversation with a kind and loving heavenly father 
with a generous and protective and self-giving older brother, with a wise friend, an advocate, whispering in your ear to get through it. That's prayer. But I know we struggle with this, don't we? I do, with this confidence and this boldness and this persistence that Jesus speaks of in his parables. Struggle with prayer. Well, Luther anticipates the obvious question when he looks at this end part of John's letter. And the question comes from what we know of ourselves. We know ourselves a bit. And we know our struggles to trust and to rely on and to pray. So he says, Luther says, What if I should have a frigid heart and feel that I lack this faith to pray? What if I have a frigid heart? Well, that's a good expression. I think that might describe me half of the days of the week. A frigid heart towards God, stone cold and stone-walled from God's lavish love. Why is this so? Why is this so? Uh, John says we struggle to pray, to rely on the word of God, his promises to us because of idols, substitutes in our life. That's, I think, why he's ended with that. Idols are substitutes, fill-ins, fake for the real thing. They cost you more than you can pay and they can't deliver what you actually need. That's an idol. An example. You choose to pay for that cheap pair of pliers. They break within five minutes in some critical moment in the workshop. Now you're going to have to go all the way back to the shop and buy that other better quality pair of pliers that were right next to the cheap ones in the first place and you have realised you've paid a lot more and you've got a lot less. That's idols. And for John, his community, I guess in the ancient world, the idols are much easier to see. They made statues and stuff, temples to many weird named gods. It was very easy to see idol worship. Easy as. Bit harder for us, don't you think? We kind of keep our idols internal. For Luther, as we know, hopefully around here you would have heard this many times, Luther defines an idol as anything or anyone that you place your trust in, that you rely on for your well-being and your future and your hope, other than the promises of God, the word of God. That's a pretty big deal. That means you could have a lot of idols. And you can probably make an idol out of anything, really. So for Luther, of course, and others, Calvin, Wesley, uh, the idolatry is breaking the first commandment, not loving the Lord with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. And the other nine below them are how you actually do that. So there's only one commandment, really. And an idol is replacing God. So that's what John seems to affirm here. And I guess the other thing to say, particularly for Luther and particularly for St. Augustine, idols are about love of the heart. And I think John's right on to that. 
He's big on this, don't give your heart to, don't give your heart to, don't love, don't love. So Augustine says that idolatry or giving in or relying on idols is simply misplaced love. It's loving the lesser things a lot and the most important, crucial things the least. It's disordered love, out of whack, out of shape, wrong loves. Giving our heart, for example, to immediate gain rather than the long-term promised reward of our, our Lord. So John finishes his letter, of course, Dear children, keep yourself from idols. Well, I'm, why is he so keen on this? Why, what's the, what will idols do to you? Well, they'll destroy you in the end and they will demand ever-increasing payment of your heart and of your time and of your energy to satisfy their need or your need. So in idol-making and chasing, in idol world, praying, that just simply becomes telling the Lord what he needs to do for you so you can achieve your life project. See? So God becomes another tool, another tool to meet what you want in life, not a saviour who is achieving what he wants in your life. Carol King and James Taylor in that song, You've Got a Friend, summed it up well. They'll take your soul if you let them, so don't you let them. So Luther echoes John. He says, this is the remedy, says John. Pray, ask, and he will hear you. So reliance on our God and his promises is what staves off making and chasing idols that diminish our love and darken the world. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. So it seems to me, friends, you can rest assured today that those questions, those needs, those requests those feelings and groans without words often, those desires are understood and they are heard. You are heard. You are understood. And this is by the man who journeyed from the river to the cross for you and still pours out his water and his blood of life, healing you, restoring you, capturing you, captivating you, motivating you, guiding you. And I'm pretty convinced that John is an obvious Star Trek fan. He says we boldly go where no one goes before when it comes to praying. We boldly go. We pray boldly to our God because it's him. He's our kind and loving Heavenly Father, isn't he? He's our older brother who's come and found us. He's the advocate, he's in our corner, willing us on, not against us. And he's transforming you through all the experiences that you're having today, good and bad, he says. And one day you will see Jesus in his fullness and you'll be quite surprised because you'll realise you're more like him than you ever thought possible. It'll be a good day. So simply, I guess, we finish by saying, pray.
Pray a lot. Pray long. Pray a lot. Pray about everything. Speak to your God. A bit of Luther to finish off. He speaks of relying on God at what it looks like. If because of this confidence you are persuaded that you are heard by God, well, he will also give you what you've asked for. Example, Solomon. Remember King Solomon? Just comes to power, young man. God says, ask what you want me to give you, Solomon. And Solomon says, give your servant a listening heart, an understanding heart. This prayer pleased God. Therefore, God said, I will give you what you've asked for. Because Solomon had asked, according to the will of God, he was heard. But, but, says Luther, it is not seemly to fix the manner and the time. Example, Abraham. Abraham, the seed had been promised, the promise of a nation and all of that. A son from his own body, Genesis 13. This fulfilment was put off for almost 20 years. 20 years it was put off. Abraham waited patiently and Sarah also thought, oh, this isn't working. Perhaps this, this child comes from another woman. Remember? Hagar and all of that. So therefore, says Luther, we should determine for God neither the time nor the manner of hearing and granting our prayers. We should only wait patiently and diligently. And this suffices for a Christian because a Christian is content to know that he or she pleases God. That's enough. And he or she is persuaded that their prayer is heard, understood, not neglected, but accepted. And this is the confidence of his will, as John says, according to Luther. So, friends, I guess the one message today is you are heard. You are known, you are understood, and you are not rejected today. For two minutes, or for 20 years, we rely on God's hearing and acceptance of our many prayers and us as a person, as we live in this new era that's already begun right in the middle of the old one, an era, says John, of lavish love. So we can love, idle, free. In the name of Christ, amen. And the peace of God and the love of God, as we've heard it so much these last weeks, uh, remain in you and be at work through you in whatever you're facing. In the name of Christ, Amen. Thanks for listening. Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. St. Petri.org.au